0: Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we hit... A few different items. They're items from you. They are from us, and that's how the show works. You ask your financial questions to us by emailing askpete at petetheplanner.com. We, I, someone, us, will answer your question, and you will celebrate with joy and balloons. Joining me as often is Damian Dunn, Director of Personal Financial Strategies in Michiana's Own. Hi, Dame. I'm
1: looking for my balloons.
0: Um, The balloons are for the listener. Oh, Not for a singular listener. This week on the show, we're going to do a few different things. Uh, Two rules of thumb, which we don't really say rules of thumb anymore because apparently it's a weird pejorative phrase. Uh, So we've got rules of thumb. We're going to call them rules of Peter, which sounds much better. Two investing rules of Peter coming up. We have another family question about aged loved ones and those sorts of things. And so much more, Dame. You ready to get started? Let's go, man. Dame, you know, a few weeks ago on the show, I mentioned how one of my favorite weird things about money is that if you are 10 years or so out from retirement and in that moment you uh, have half the money that you think you are going to need for retirement, then that is perfect. Yes. It's a weird trick and it's all based on compound interest. And so what I want to do today is dig a little deeper into that. But better yet, what I want to do is I want to help people understand how much money you actually need for retirement using another rule of Peter. So we're going to go with rule number two first. Dame, you get this question probably daily. How much money do I need for retirement?
1: While that's a complicated and involved question, or at least can be, there is, thankfully, the rule of Peter.
0: The rule of Peter can help. Now, we, we, we need to give rule of Peter disclaimers. They can come up short, the Peter, the rule of Peter. Sometimes. Yes. So we need to make sure that people understand that this is a baseline way to give you a general idea of whether you have enough money or how much money you will need. The goal, though, here really is to help you have a better conversation with your financial advisor
1: absolutely yeah we're uh, we're not trying to supplant anybody's job here and the guidance that they give but this is just a, a back of the napkin type of
0: of figure for you absolutely all right so let's do this um uh damien what you need to do is you first you figure out how much money you want to live on um when you retire okay right. so let's let's pick i'm going to pick a big number big example you can also uh, read what i'm about to say in the indianapolis business journal mm-hmm. okay um, actually, we are doing rule number one first, uh, not rule number two. Anyone, oh. no one cares. Okay. For instance, say let's say you want one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars to live on when you retire. Okay. Okay. The very first thing you want to do is you want to subtract the uh, uh, fixed income amounts that you're going to receive from things like Social Security mm-hmm. or rent payments. Pensions. In, pensions. So. Okay. So let's say you and your wife, uh, when you are retirement age, collectively, you'll receive $45,000 in Social Security. Cause so we take 125000 which is what you desire. It's a good number. Well, you like the way I, I said desire? It's not my thing, but it's all you right. You didn't acknowledge the joke. It's okay. And then you subtract the 45,000. And, uh, and Damien, you have a degree. So 125,000 minus 45,000 is? $80,000. Uh, $80,000. $80, now, so this is wh- what we use to figure out how much total assets you need to have, investable assets. Are you ready? Let's do it. <sighs> okay. You multiply by 25, you wow. take that $80,000. And you multiply by 25 the number 25 i have a degree but i'm not sure i can do that in my head okay i can do it for you it's two million dollars so you take the total amount of income need not covered by a fixed monthly payment and you multiply that you know annual income need by the number twenty-five, if you want to be very safe and make sure that you're not too aggressive in taking money out of your investments, you actually want to get closer to the number thirty-three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that would be uh, two thousand. Or pardon me, what? Two million six hundred forty thousand dollars instead of two million dollars. Okay. Sure. It's a. It's, it's a good rule of thumb.
1: I think it gets people close. I think there will be a lot of people that are surprised by the numbers that they come up with.
0: Yeah, I think the key here is um, this is really easy to do if you have a pension and Social Security. Sure. This is really hard to do if all you have is Social Security. Yeah. And, you know, Dame, there are some people not covered at all by Social Security. Yeah. And there are some people that in the event that a loved one passes away in retirement, that one of the social securities go away, everyone's is like that, the higher one stays, and then the income amount still has to work.
1: Yeah, there are definitely some um, contingencies that need to be planned for, and that's why an advisor or keeping your, your advisor around and keeping them involved in these calculations is so important.
0: Even uh, fifty thousand dollars—your desire to have fifty thousand dollars a year on top of Social Security would require you to have one point two five million dollars. Yeah, and that's a fifty thousand is probably a very reasonable number for
1: virtually everybody listening.
0: Yeah, that again—it's a—it's very healthy above Social Security. Mm-hmm. I mean, fifty thousand dollars a year in retirement, in, including Social Security, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Fifty thousand dollars in addition to Social Security—it's great, right? Yeah. It's close, probably close to hundred grand for most people. Especially if you're doing everything that you should
1: be doing pre-retirement, taking care of the debts that you've got. If you can get the mortgage eliminated before you get to retirement, then then it looks really good.
0: I agree. A big part of this, in uh, our opinion, because I'm just going to group us together here because we tend to agree on these things, is that uh, when you are struggling to have enough money in retirement, the goal is to Attack the demand side, right? Attack your demand for money because sometimes it is too late to get a big supply of money. So what you have to do is wean yourself off the juice. Yeah, we talk about that all
1: the time on Your money line. Uh, people call us and say, well, I would like to retire sometime in the next five years. The assets I have accumulated up to this point are not
0: 25 you, times my need. Yeah,
1: yeah, aren't 25 or even anywhere close to that. What do I do? And so we talk to them about the demand side of the equation and tell them that, that maybe it makes a lot of sense to focus a lot of their energies on getting rid of those demands.
0: Rule of Peter number two is what we talked about a few weeks ago, that if you, let's say that we've just determined, Damien, that you need $2 million when you are 67 years old, okay, investable, in investable assets, and you are now 57 years old. If you have $1 million right now, you're pretty much good to go. Yeah. And the reason is uh, because based on how compound interest works, you would only need to average 6.96% rate of return over that 10-year period if you never put another dime into your investments. And if you put money into your investments, as you should in Mm -hmm. those prime years, earning years of your life, then you would need less than 6.96%. And here's the really good news. In the last 10 years... Uh, period ending December 31st of 2018. So the 10 years ending in December 31st, 2018, a 60% stock portfolio and a 40% bond portfolio has actually averaged more than that, 7.19%. And over the last 20 years period ending December 31st of 2018, it's averaged 6.75. So here's what I'm saying, dude, really doable. Absolutely. At 60-40. Yeah. I think, you know, with a minute left here, I think sometimes people don't do these rules of Peter and what it ends up doing for them is they are way too aggressive in the last 10 years of investing for retirement when they don't need to be because they could go for a much lower rate of return and still accomplish their goal. So it's overkill and the risk of striking out increases significantly. Yeah, protecting
1: what you've got at that point is nearly as important as growing what's there.
0: Capital preservation versus... uh, Accumulation. There you go. Uh, Rules of Peter. Rules of Peter. And if you fall short on the rule of Peter, I'm used to it. If you fall short on the rule of Peter, attack the demand side. Absolutely. Right? We want more of a supply for money, but the way you do that is by lessening your demand for money, and then it gives you more money to save. Coming up after the break, another family question. People with the families. That's here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. (laughs) back on the pete the planner show i'm pete the planner and this is the show you think i should open every segment like that i probably not Damien dunn joins me uh all right here's an email from a lady article usa today is what the subject line says it's a good start there's just three words pete i really enjoy your articles now dame you would think i started reading this just so people are like heap praise onto me i think you paused so people would heap praise onto you There, a quick read very beneficial and spot on did she say that? Yeah, no, I, she really did. Okay, but you know what? The funny thing is, if I were right if I were was writing my own <laughs> praise, I would write that. <laughs> well, you need to send her a thank you note. They are quick read, very beneficial, and spot on. I wonder when she typed it. If like you know how sometimes you you read yourself, she has that little gra- spot on. Is she, is she,
1: well, I'm wondering if she's typing this in. Well, that'd be her voice, not your voice. Spot on.
0: Yeah. I read April 30th's topic. My God, here's the thing, lady. I don't remember what it was. (laughs) I really don't. You seem lovely. You have good judgment, good taste. I would think I'd like to see a twist on the same topic of mooching. But this time, can you relate this to aging parents who live with you? Oh, Dame, this is completely different from last week's show. Last week's show, we had an 80-something who was getting mooched on by her 50-something-year-old kids. Now... Mon frere, uh, an 89 and a half year old mother who lives with this emailer, she says, I usually roll with the punches, but boy, man, she writes like me. Am I, did I write this? <laughs> Was I drinking and I wrote this? Because listen, th- this, is, this sounds like my writing. Listen, uh, I usually roll with the punches, but boy, it would be great if she had a manual to instruct her how to be a good tenant in her own daughter's house. Oof. I feel like I wrote that. Oof. Yeah. Uh, Do's and don'ts, if you will. If you need hands-on advice from a daughter with a mother nearing 90, let me know. I have three sisters, ages 50 to 63. This is like the reverse of the email from last week. Holy smokes. This is spooky. Uh, And they help share the burden uh, four months out of the year while she's with me for eight months. The best to you. Sincerely, a 50-year-old woman still being told what to do by her mother. (laughs) It says that. I would write that, too. All, All right, right, dude. So uh, let's. Uh, this is intense. Beggars can't be choosers. That's the old sort of, uh, yeah. the old saying. Don't uh, look the gift horse in the mouth. You're saying phrases oof. now. Yeah. Let's let's so, dial that back. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. What do you think here? This is interesting. Uh, I almost want to get this lady on the show. Yeah.
1: I. I didn't. Uh, you're stumped. I'm stumped. I, I'm oh enjoying the quality of the writing and, and laughing at the, uh, that. Not certainly the situation. Yeah. But. So I... just has to be a conversation, doesn't there? At some point, a very uncomfortable, awkward
0: conversation. You know what? Let's have one right now. Okay. Here's the thing. And I mean this. This is really uncomfortable. There was a point in time in your young life, uh, which is long past. Yeah. Not your life. The young part. Um your late teens, early 20s, maybe even the 30s where you realized that your parents are just adults doing the best they can but they don't necessarily know everything. Yeah. Generally when you're a kid you see some of your parents' flaws but it's, you know, you, you basically think they're invincible and you think they know everything and what they do is right yeah. even though you disagree with them all the time. Sure. But then there's that time when you really become an adult of your own and you're like, wait a second, these people had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. yeah it's a w- they, weird feeling.
1: Yeah, they don't know. Uh, they're doing the best they can. They make mistakes, sometimes knowingly or unknowingly, uh, and you realize that they're human. Yeah. And it's
0: sad. Yeah, I don't... I, I, when, I, when I say this, I don't mean it from a judgmental standpoint. I don't look at my parents like, I can't believe they did that. No, it's observational. Yeah. You finally can observe... From a reasonable perspective what has happened and i think in this situation it's gone to that next level with which many of us have experienced is where you begin to actually switch roles Mm. with your parents yeah and and but here's the other part of that in some instances you've seen your parents switch roles with their parents so it's a natural thing
1: yeah, it's a you're right, it's a normal phase of life that that most people go through. They you know, they see their parents take care of their grandparents. Yeah. And then if you're if you're to that stage in life, you know that's coming for you someday. Or you anticipate that coming for you someday. And I don't think you're ever ready when it gets there.
0: I don't think so either. I mean, you and I have kids about the same age and there's no way I don't think about that at all right no. now. Now, I do think about trying to create a scenario where they don't have to financially support me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to maintain a decent relationship with them by having a good bedtime so they will want to take care of me. Mm-hmm. But man, that's, this situation's rough. I mean, rough because it's... Who wants to tell their 90-year-old mother to, to settle down? I mean, probably a lot of people. Who's willing to do it? Yeah, I... Nobody. I mean, what's the dynamic turn into at that point? I think the other side of this too is, okay, so not only is this 90 year old person's perspective, it sounds like it is heightened and it's, it's her, her perspective has continued to shift as an aging person, mm-hmm. but so is the emailer. I remember when my, uh, when we first had our daughter and my mom took care of the daughter, my daughter one day and my mom called me and said, Ollie fell and hit her head. By the way, Happens literally to every child. Absolutely. It was the first time it happened to me and I went tearing over to her house And I was like oh my gosh, is she okay? And like my perspective at the time was Oh my gosh, there's gonna be something horribly wrong She just like fell over and hit her on a coffee table like every child does but I remember my perspective being like This is I cannot believe How terrible the situation is Mm -hmm. now? I don't care at all. Yeah like, yeah, yeah. Like your perspective completely changes.
1: Yeah, we just had something very similar happen in in our household. I mean, it's usually between my two kids where somebody yeah. pushes somebody down and what Someone's gonna get hurt. Yeah, and they play it up like they're on their deathbed. Yeah, and you already know because you've been you've seen this movie. You've it, tried it, to get your sibling yeah. in trouble, and you know how it's gonna end. And so it's just like okay, play it off, kid. You've you've overdone it. Oh. But there's in this situation. This particular situation has to be one of the most
0: uncomfortable that any adult's going to face. All right, I'm going I'm to say something I shouldn't. This problem's never going to be solved. Probably not. You're not going to have a family meeting with your 90-year-old mother. It, if, the medi- if, the, if the meeting, if the problem
1: could be solved, probably never would have happened in the first place. That's interesting.
0: I think you can place rules around this to lessen the impact of some of these transgressions, relationship transgressions. I don't, but you're never going to solve this. No. You, you just create a scenario in which you cannot be financially hurt by it, um, that that you keep your sanity. And I mean, I'm not joking about that, but mm-hmm. you're able to, to keep serenity, I mm-hmm. should say. Um, and the support of siblings and other family members is, is really important. But I also think it's sort of, if we're trying to care up for a generation ahead of us, I think it's appropriate to then look down at the generation behind you and make sure that you don't set those folks up, your kids, for a similar scenario. You can learn from those mistakes. Yeah,
1: I I agree with that. I, I think uh, it's important the example that you set for uh, the other uh, the younger eyes that are watching you handle the situation. Um, but I maybe it's a possibility that the other siblings take a, sl- a slightly bigger role in it too to give everybody a little bit more breathing room. I,
0: you know, the I think what's tough about that is that obviously different siblings are gonna have different financial situations. So let's say there's four siblings and it costs fifty grand a year to care for mom. Asking for twelve thousand five hundred bucks each year for each from each person, I don't wanna say it's not fair. That actually is fair, but it doesn't make it possible. Right. That's uncomfortable. Mm. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna just hose down. That's that look you gave me. I, yeah, I'm looking for the hose. Okay. Uh, we're going to hose down. I, and then I've got this idea for a column that we're just fleshing out on the air. All right. So, so that'll go well. Let's go. So you're going to watch a pre-production meeting, basically, or listen to a pre-production meeting right here on the Pete the Planner Show. If you want to email us, do so. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. We'll read your question on the air and send you an answer. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner show, talking Top Gun during the break. Great movie. Great movie. Great movie. What? I thought there's going to be a follow-up to Top Gun where Tom Cruise is the instructor now.
1: Yeah, I thought they announced it, but I haven't seen
0: anything about it. I don't know. We're relevant. Talk about '80s movies. No, well, that is our period. I was telling you uh, during the break that my babysitter, when I was a kid, used to watch that movie all the time when, when she was watching us. And she'd always watched the volleyball scene in which Val Kilmer's shirt is off, and he's like flexing, looking strong. And I didn't understand why she, I thought, she loves volleyball. I think it's everybody's shirt off except for Anthony Edwards. That's right. Well, you know, the goose. The goose. Yeah, he wasn't down. No. It was a down. Not down. down goose. goose. Yeah. All right, Dame, so um, as an executive team here at uh, Your Money Line, Better Might Be the Blender, we recently have uh, partaken uh, into a particular book called Good to Great. Yes. You know, tr- truly one of the greatest business books ever written, Jim Collins. It's a great book. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's, it's data-based. It's mm-hmm. data-driven, as I say. It's really interesting. And one of the concepts in the book is this idea that you should take your best people and put them on your biggest opportunities as opposed to your biggest problems or challenges. Mm-hmm. And as uh, a team here, we recently retasked someone who was, you know, queen firefighter. I mean, she could really solve any problem, and we said, okay, let's take her brilliance off of problems and put it towards our biggest opportunity and see what happens, right? You know, because that's what the book said. So I've been thinking about this a little further and about this idea that our brains and our own financial lives, really, we have a choice... Or we have to be able to view the idea that our brains are either tasked to deal with financial problems, or you try to set yourself up so your brain can actually deal with with financial opportunities. I think you need an example. Here's an example. Recently, true story. Um, I had lunch with two attorneys back to day on back-to-back days, okay? Made about the same amount of money, roughly the same age. One of their financial lives was just hard. Two young kids, preschool-aged, daycare issues, I mean, all sorts of crazy stuff, right? Uh, the other one, uh, kids were middle school and beyond, okay. right? And was on cruise control, right? So one one of these brilliant minds, it was constantly d- dealing with financial challenges. Their income had to go to solve challenges. How do you fund the daycare? Whereas the other people had the exact same household income, and they were able to take their discretionary income and take advantage of opportunities mm-hmm. look at rental properties mm-hmm. uh, you know you know they, they were looking at all sorts of things and i just found that interesting do you think most people you know intrinsically or otherwise say to themselves my brain right now is dealing with financial challenges or my brain is able to deal with a financial opportunity do you think most people do that
1: do they are they able to compartmentalize those things is that is that kind of what you're
0: yes and if they did if they were able to do you think it would impact them and allow them to be more productive towards either solving the problems or taking advantage of opportunities
1: yeah because i personally at least for me if i can focus on things as either opportunities or problems uh totally changes my outlook on, on how I'm going to react to those situations. If I, if I see an, an advantage or an opportunity, I'm probably going to be more aggressive towards taking advantage of it or doing what I can to make that come to fruition. Yeah. If I see it as a problem, naturally myself, I'm the type of person who will almost step back on their heels for a second and uh, go at it more conservatively, trying to figure out how I can be more consistent at getting that taken care of instead of being more aggressive, which may be actually the better
0: solution. So, so we we had a small, I mean, you know, challenges aren't necessarily bad things. You just have to fix something to be able to then move on to something else. We were dealing with a small challenge. And and once we were able to put that challenge to bed, that financial challenge to bed, instantaneously, my brain was retasked to be able, because it was sort of the last financial challenge, immediately retasked opportunity and it delivered immediately. Yeah. Like because we you you could you're just more open to what's out there and you can see opportunity when you're not stressed out.
1: And I want to make sure I I clarify this because I think I understand what you're saying and I want to make sure everybody else does too. It didn't go away, but you had a way to
0: solve the problem. Absolutely right. Right? It wasn't it wasn't unmitigated stress mm-hmm. on a runaway freight t- train of how are we going to solve this? we had a plan, we had uh, something that we felt satisfied that challenge so we could move on. And and I think I bring this up for lots of reasons, but one of them is, I think if you're dealing with a financial challenge, you're listening right now, you're dealing with a financial challenge. Not only do you wanna solve that financial challenge, but you want to solve it, you want to be able to compartmentalize it so then you are more um, adept at finding and taking advantage of opportunities. And I, this is kind of heady stuff <laughs> they're dealing with in this particular segment. But I think it's very real that the brain trying to solve a problem is very different than the brain seeking and taking advantage of opportunities. But I will also say I'm going to confuse this even more, Dame, by suggesting that sometimes people get out of order and that's where greed can kick in and that's where get-rich-quick schemes mm-hmm. can kick in. I think the get-rich-quick mentality lives in this village I've just described, you know. Sure. Yeah, you, know, you are
1: both subtly and unsubtly pitched that every day. The get, oh my God! Pitch. yes. Sometimes it's
0: obvious. Sometimes it's gonna be a commercial as soon as it, the segment's
1: over. Exactly. And in other times, it's it's more subtle, and it, it, it just kind of seeps into you. Whether it's something a, a, a friend may bring up in conversation, and you think, well, "Why why can't I do that?" Yeah. Um, it, you know, totally discounting all the work that that person put in along the way. Totally. And, and so there's, there's all sorts of ways that that concept is brought to our forefront and we don't see everything else that goes into that process. All we see is the result.
0: I want to do a little exercise here. You do can... we have, do we have room in here for your exercise? Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so you like that?
1: No, that wasn't my favorite, but okay. that's all right. <laughs>
0: okay. I want you to take a second. I want everyone to take a second. And I want you to think of a financial opportunity that exists for you and your family right now. You don't have to verbalize it, dude. I want you to think of an opportunity that exists. Now, if you're really struggling, my argument will be because you're currently in the midst of dealing with a lot of challenges and that you may not have the proper level of motivation to get rid of those challenges because you don't have an opportunity in mind, right? It's sort of that, well, once I take care of this, oh, then we get to do this. And I think it's when you don't have the, then we get to do this, that's when it, you get you know, you're know in this quagmire mm-hmm. where you just your challenge is your reality, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like you're trying to solve it. You're just trying to maintain and cope with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this is about coping or tolerating stress. I think this is about having the resolve to solve financial challenges so you can get after those opportunities that, dare I say, you deserve.
1: Yeah. And you and I both experienced fairly recently periods where oh, you just hemorrhage cash and you are dealing with running on the treadmill, hoping to keep pace for a little while. Absolutely. And even that clouds your your judgment and your memory, or your your, uh, your outlook on those opportunities.
0: Yeah, just little things, refrigerators breaking, yeah. drain line. I mean, just silly car stuff, and it and it just sucks the life out of you. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you're right, you can't focus on the positive because you're trying not to drown. But persevering is what you you do. You do, and I will say, you. <laughs> this is good news for not only you and me, but for the listeners. Uh, uh, we had emergency funds, so we mm-hmm. were fine. This is an even a bigger challenge when you have hemorrhage cash, like people do from time to time, and you don't have mm-hmm. the means to deal with it. And so then your, you know, your lack of stability gets worse, and then the challenges that you have to deal with to be able to then get to the opportunities get harder.
1: Yeah,
0: well, That worked. Anyway, that's a column idea I'm working so on right now. There should be a now. column, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, 600 words in. Just, I haven't said anything yet. Just put me in there as co-author. Mm, I don't like that. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week. And I think some current events, some financial current events, if we can track that down. Dame, we're not too far from moving offices. That's going to be pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. No one cares. All right. Uh, We'll be back in just a moment here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is, Dame, I've got two. Do you want the crazy expensive one or the one that no matter what you spend on it, it'd be a complete waste of time and effort?
1: Crazy expensive.
0: Wilson Audio Wham Master Chronosonic Speaker. That sounds expensive, doesn't it? Dave Wilson, not Dave the King Wilson, Mm. uh, has been building speakers for decades but thanks to spare no expense ethos they're far from mainstream that doesn't mean they're not great the wham master chronosonic speaker is arguably his masterpiece his magnum opus if you will a seven foot nine speaker behemoth that reproduces sounds with jaw-dropping clarity and realness the most time domain correct loudspeaker in the world Each of its speakers is housed in its own cabinet and set precisely to ensure the most lifelike sound possible, limited to just 70 pairs. Each one is a painstaking piece of engineering. Do you know how much each speaker is? Do you want to guess?
1: Each cabinet for the nine speaker, I'm guessing? No.
0: Okay, so there's there's two sets of speakers, and each speaker has nine speakers. That's a lot of math. There's it's seven feet tall and there's like nine woofer looking things and yeah, some tweeters. Okay,
1: some uh, it, and it's got a really fancy name. I'm gonna go
0: with fifteen grand a speaker. Boy, you're not good at that. Eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars per speaker. Yeah, I was. For well. that, you can just hire Duran Duran to come just play in front of you. Yeah, you, can, you could have house parties like every week. Hungry like a wolf. All right, the next biggest waste of money of the week, and frankly, just a waste of time, is the Ford self-breaking shopping cart. In an effort to make parents' trips to the grocery store a little less trying, Ford is bringing its pre-collision assist tech to an unlikely place. The shopping cart. It uses a sensor to scan for people and objects ahead and automatically apply the brakes if a potential collision looms. Not just good for the ankles of shoppers in the store, it would no doubt also keep many cars in the parking lot from picking up unnecessary dings. Unfortunately for all of us, it's still a prototype. And Dame, here's what you're thinking. You're thinking, that's a brilliant idea. You're thinking, wow, good use of technology. Okay, okay, cool. Who's gonna pay for all that? And then and then and then how are they going to pass that cost on to us?
1: Sure. My my question was, if, if you're pushing a cart through the uh, the parking lot and it's equipped with these brake systems and it fails and you happen to run into a car, who's liable?
0: See, now you now you've taken it to a whole another level. Yeah, and now now there's lawsuits involved. I just like sometimes we take things too far. I mean, this is a it's like self driving cars. Like I don't want a self driving car. I don't I I don't want to drive. I don't this is totally off topic i don't understand why we want or need self-driving cars i just don't get it i mean i get the arguments i've i've heard them i just disagree with the utility of it do i sound like a grumpy old man
1: no i i think your viewpoints really really common for the most part i enjoy driving i we drive for almost all of our well all of our family vacations up to this point it's not that uh, i i don't like flying i just don't like playing paying for airfare tickets for a family of oh, four but boy. um i don't know i uh, yeah I, I i guess i'm not against auto, automated driving but I, I prefer to drive myself what's in the news this week um so we have outsourced parenting oh isn't that just called having a nanny usually but okay. now they're specialized in different areas. So from toilet training to baby stylists, there's any service that you need.
0: Okay, wait, okay. So let's start with toilet training. You can hire someone to train your kid? Yeah, in
1: this case, a partner at a visual marketing company hired a toilet training pro to do her
0: work. We had a program for our kids that I came up with. I created it. I did the creative around it mm-hmm. and I implemented it myself. It was uh, called Poopoos for Choo Choo's. And so if the kids took care of that, then they got like a Thomas the Train set. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it worked well. Big money. Um, and then we actually, prior to that, we had like just a little a lesser program. It was called um, Gumdrops for Plop Plops. And so <laughs> then it was more candy based. Yeah. 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 Wait. Uh, we My have... wife doesn't like me. Have I mentioned that? Occasionally.
1: We we, we had
0: uh, some friends
1: who would reward their their twin daughters with M&Ms for every successful trip
0: to... M&Ms for BMs?
1: uh, It didn't matter, uh, the function. Okay. Uh, But the deal was that uh, if if you were the one that had a successful trip, you got two M&Ms. And if uh, you you were just the other party involved, uh, you got one M&M for somebody else's successful trip to try and keep everybody involved that's interesting technique. However, the, the one daughter just kept telling her other sister to go to the bathroom so, she, so she'd yeah. keep getting M&Ms.
0: How, um, how much does it cost to have someone toilet train your kid? Do you know?
1: I, I think it's say? regionally based. But, uh, <laughs> it, it, regionally <laughs> based. It says the, the service uh, and the, the Potty Training Pro charges anywhere between $2,000 and $3,300 for a two-day, 16-hour session over 2 8 hours a day. Number 2 day? Over 2 number 2 days. Are they
0: based out of Brownsburg?
1: I don't think so. A, I,
0: what's uh what else is in the news? Or oh, what other services are available there?
1: I you know, just haircuts and and all
0: sorts of uh, Do it, we need all that? I mean, no. last week we did a segment on what do we call those things? unnecessary spending. Yeah, it was something like that. And it, I thought many of them were very necessary.
1: Yeah, well, they were being very loose with their definition of, of unnecessary spending.
0: Can you imagine calling around looking for a potty training expert for your kid and like being okay with it? Definitely not in the Midwest. We're going to get a very angry email from someone that's like, oh, this medically something. And I'm like, this, we're not talking about your medical problems. This is obviously a very bougie situation here.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's fair to note that I think the example was uh, in Manhattan.
0: That oh. they were. <gasps> Ooh.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, Ooh. Next headline, after outrage over district response to student lunch debt, Shobani's founder stepped in.
0: I saw that. You know, I got to admit, I get kind of sad uh, about this story because what was going to happen is the school district was just going to serve jelly sandwiches to the kids f- because they had lunch debts, right? And so... Right um good bad or otherwise that was the parents responsibility to deal with that and then to just like take it out on the kids with like the the jelly sandwich i get it but it stinks pretty bad and chobani the yogurt company did the right thing and stepped up yeah
1: they stepped up and covered a bunch of the outstanding debt enough so that the the school district could continue their their lunch program
0: you know i think if you're listening to this right now and you agree with us that chobani did the right thing you should consider doing it too. talk to your local school district and see if there's outstanding lunch balances that you can help, uh, take care of there. Um, you know, it takes a, it takes a village and sometimes some little kids parents are in some jam that they can't get out of. And because of that, their kid is not going to get the proper nutrition at school when who knows, maybe in some instance, that's the best meal they might get all week, most structured meal. So, if you're looking for something to warm your heart and to fill the stomachs of a young person in your community, talk to your local school district about paying off those lunch balances.
1: There's a lot of programs uh, that, that send backpacks home with kids on the weekends, too, that have uh, have food for them over the weekends, too. So if, if your school district uh, doesn't have a need of that sort, there are certainly other programs where you could make sure that uh, the children have adequate nutrition uh, for for the weekend, too.
0: you know, I really appreciate the work that food service workers do at schools. I mean, uh, obviously, over the years, to say that that position has evolved is an understatement. Oh yeah, and I don't say that to discredit the people that are doing the work now, but there was a time when you they were back to roasting chickens mm-hmm. and stuff, and now there's a lot of, you know prepared meals Mm -hmm. and things going out we recently discovered that my daughter had been going to school getting off the bus as early as she could and then she has a a lunch balance right you know Mm -hmm. we put money on this you know electronic system and she's been going and having orange juice and a honey bun every day because they serve breakfast at her school for kids that don't have breakfast at home Mm. but one of the options is a is a like a 90 carbohydrate gram of carbohydrate honey bun and orange juice meal and because we noticed her lunch balance was really low, but she hadn't been getting lunch, but every day she'd been treating herself to a honey bun and OJ. It's
1: a good way to start the day.
0: Boy, it explains a lot. Yeah, well. Let me tell you. Dame, thanks for sitting in this week. Thanks for having me. Oh, it just wouldn't be the same without you. Yeah, I agree. Hey, we're off next week, preempted by the Indianapolis 500. Have you heard of that? I go around in a circle? I don't know. I've never been. I've uh, been several times, group and Speedway. Anyway, no one cares. All right, Dame, thanks for being on the show. If you want to email us and be on the show, We will not have you on the show, but we will read your words. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Send you good vibes because that's all I got for you. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show.